I got a call from Polo and he was like, bro, your life's about to change. Like, you know, Jimmy was always excited about you, but I finished the record. I mixed it. Like I finished producing it. I just played it for Jimmy and like, he's going to put all the money that he, he's going to, he, that he has into your project. Like your life is about to change. Like, he's like, I just played the song for Jimmy. It's, it's the first mix. And he made me play it 10 times in a row. He, he was like, we were in a car with all these girls and like, Jimmy just could not believe it. Like the, the, the energy was just like, your life's about to change. And I remember that phone call was like the most exciting call I ever got, but also at the same time, like the most nerve wracking, like my heart sank to my stomach because I was like, oh God, like the, the song that Jimmy is now obsessed with, that he's gonna do whatever he can in his power to make number one, is the record that I know is What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode number 64 of Connection is Magic. Super special guest in the building this week, Jared Evan. Amazing rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, does it all. Was formally signed to Interscope Records around 2009 is when he got signed there to Pull of the Dawn, who was crushing the charts back then, had multiple top 10 records. He's been doing his own independent thing, thriving, just dropped a brand new album called Darker Days last week. Go check that out. You can visit his website, jaredevan.com, J-E-R-E-D-E-V-A-N.com. We discussed the conflicting feelings he had when his time at Interscope was kind of running out and he got to a place of stagnation. We discuss how he's thriving now as an independent artist, a crazy story about recording a song with Dr. Dre for the Detox album that never came out, and so much more. Fantastic episode. Can't wait to have you guys check this out. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Connection is Magic. I'm your host, Samson Shulman, a former music executive turned podcaster and coach. In a world obsessed with the highlight reel and keeping our difficulties hidden behind the curtain, We end up feeling lonely and isolated, and opportunities for human connection are missed. On this podcast, we dive deep with our guests and get them to share those dreaded, unfiltered pieces. We learn how to make lemonade out of life's lemons and realize adversity isn't sent to break us, but rather shape us into the greatest versions of ourselves. We appreciate you spending some time with us. Now let's begin our journey back home to Connection. Welcome everybody to Connection is Magic. And today we have my man Jared Evan in the house. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, man. This is like crazy, right? This is a class reunion type shit. It's just wild, like just full circle. Because I didn't even know. I mean, because, man, that was so many ages ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I didn't remember... I couldn't remember everything and everyone that I came across, but it's just, I had a feeling like we definitely crossed paths at some point, you know? What I yeah, mean? for sure. For sure. Yeah. You got, you got a story. I mean, your story, it, dude, I'm excited to dig into it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like <laughs> every artist coming up. I assume you didn't grow up in California, no, no, right? No, in New York. You grew yeah. up in New York. Okay. Yeah. Where are you from? Cali? Detroit. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, knew, but I had a feeling you weren't Cali, Cali adopted me though, quite, bro. <laughs> but not quite East coast. So it's dope. No, I appreciate that. Shout out to the like, D. Shout out to Detroit, man. Yeah. You just got some good salt of the earth people out yeah, there. Yeah, a lot I feel of talent. Like. A lot of talent. A lot man. of talent, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, you know, it's weird. Yeah, Mike Posner right. and like Big Sean grew up within two miles of from course. where I grew up in. Yeah, oh, got yeah. it. That's so, crazy. Yeah, small world. But but like, I feel like coming up as an artist, you obviously been playing music since you were really young, I imagine, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like the the 
big dream that it's in the sky is like major record deal, right? Yeah. Every every artist feels like that. Hundred percent. Still, even though the climate has changed, it still is to a young kid. Like yeah, you know. And and well, back when you were signed there, it was it didn't even really change that no, much. No, it, that was, was it. That, right? I was still I was that still was, part of that old school. That was like the end of it. That was when it started to shift a little bit. One hundred percent. But uh, yeah, I mean that like you said that that's that man, was it. That was like yo, you get signed and you made it. You know yes. What I mean? So I want to talk about that because I yeah. think there's a myth to that. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Which I had to learn <laughs> firsthand, you know? Exactly. And you're in good company, man, because yeah. on this podcast, I love having these real ass conversations about it. We had Benji Grinberg, if you know oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not personally, but, but I know Rostrum him. Records yeah, and Wiz Khalifa, right? Of course. Of so, course. dude, he, you know, when he was newer at it, he had Wiz Khalifa and they were super new. And, and Mac, too, right? And Mac yeah. as well. He helped build and break Mac, I feel like. And he, uh, so he was telling me, and this just a few weeks ago. It was very fresh. He was telling me like, oh, yeah, we, we did our first deal in the Warner system. And then we kind of like took our foot off the gas a little bit. Right. He's like, I learned you never take your foot off the gas no, when you actually. sign there. So I mean, I'm sure that was those were the early days for him when he was just... It was when he was kinda, newer. Yeah. yeah and, and Wiz was newer and they yeah. were learning as they went, you know. Absolutely. But, but for you, yeah. so tell me, you know, because here's what I know. I'll, I'll start it like this. Okay, that's good. You got signed... By two of the most legendary producers in the game. Right. From my observation on the outside, am I right? Yeah. We're talking about Timberland and we're talking about Polydon, right? Well, let me revise. You're almost, that's almost okay. accurate. Okay. Timberland just was like a, a fan and that I uh, was able to meet through my mentor, Jimmy Douglas, who, okay. who you may have heard of him. He, he's a mix engineer, producer for forever. I mean... He he started working in the seventies at Atlantic Records. Like name is for sure like familiar. Jerry Wexler, like wow. Aretha Franklin, right? Wow. So Jimmy D. Fast forward like to the early mid nineties. He he meets Timberland. Like he kind of almost discovered him, if I recall correctly. Hmm. And by this point, Jimmy D. Was already Jimmy D. He had already you know mixed and produced Foreigner and Journey and the Rolling hmm. Stones and Led Zeppelin, Aretha, right? Yeah. And. Long story short, fast forward to when I was coming up, uh, Jimmy was um, my former manager. He knew he was like a family friend of his. And when he he caught wind of what I was doing, Mm -hmm. he he really was excited about it. And he came and got involved. He flew up from Miami to help. You know, he helped me get my lawyer, you know, who I ended up with and really helped put some pieces together for me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I met Timberland was through Jimmy D because Jimmy D is Timberland's that's like Batman and Robin like all the Aaliyah records and Big Tim records we all know Jimmy mixed those wow um so that's how Tim was like involved he he didn't sign me and he didn't like I wasn't signed to him but he was the first like that was the first person I met when like he I, was a champion for he was you a champion. though yeah. okay okay I, I signed to Polo I thought the two producers you were gonna name were Jimmy Iovine and and oh. Polo. Even though Jimmy's a, uh, an executive, yeah. he, obviously we know he was formerly a producer. Yeah. So those technically were the two big producers that, that signed me. Did Jimmy get involved yeah, hands yeah. on Jimmy, with you? I mean, the reason it was Polo is because Polo was the one that, you know, Jimmy saw it. But it was it was through this chain. It was like, and you know Manny, right? And yeah, DJ. of course, yeah. But so, but Polo had the Zone Four deal exactly. at Interscope, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and he was like the last to see it. So it went through this chain of. Uh, and when I say it, it was this video that I had shot. There was no catalog out. The one that really like did it that got me signed was this video called Frozen mm. that I shot. I was interning at the Fader. Um, just hustling, like trying to get my foot in the door of the music industry. And I, 
I met a lot of people. I met this guy, Rick Cordaro. There's so many people that have to do with the story. Um, Rick Cordaro was a big music video director, still, still is one of the greats of all time. But during that time, he was like in his prime. Mm -hmm. And we started to build a rapport and he didn't know I made music. He would just bring me out to be in videos. Like I played like the crackhead and like this Rick Ross Dude, film. what? Like, yeah, I just was like going to music video shoots. Hilarious. He, like Joe Bunton, Slaughterhouse. Like I would just be in these videos that Rick was shooting. And then eventually he heard my music and he offered to shoot me a video for just on the strength. Like he just believed in it. He loved the music. Because you didn't have a budget at the time, no, obviously. You're like a struggling artist, I was right? just interning yeah, at yeah, the yeah. theater, like just doing, making music, just networking, doing that. And um, yeah, Rick loved it. He was blown away and he offered to shoot this video for me. He came to my home in Long Island where I grew up. Like, Damn. Zero dollar video, like he just all the favors that he pulled in and the actors, and it was that's, just I didn't have to pay awesome. for it. He just did it for me, and essentially that video he had an edit like in a week, and he was passing that video around, and mm. um, it ended up you know DJ More Millie and and Manny Smith from Interscope back in the day when mm -hmm. they were there, mm -hmm. they saw it and it went through this chain. I think Manny saw it, then he showed it to DJ, DJ showed it to Polo. And Polo was like the end all be all that that took it to the finish line. He he. And Polo he, had a hot hand then, bro. Right, he exactly. was coming off the Pussycat Dolls and everything Throw like that. Throw some D's, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was at that exact time where he was in that like little era that he was the like, little wave he was in, mm -hmm. and um, he was kind of like the the guy at Interscope. He was the producer that year. See, all the more reason if yeah. I'm you, I'm like, bro, this is smooth sailing. <laughs> right, am, right. am I right? Did you have that thought? Absolutely. Well, okay. Actually, my <laughs> initial thought, I was so confused, man. You're talking about a 19 year old kid who doesn't know how the business works. Wow. Like, I actually didn't know the full story of who got the video, like DJ, then Manny, and then Polo. And like at the end of it, I was asking my manager and then my lawyer at the time, why Polo? Not that I loved Polo. I had known about him. I was a fan. Like I, I was following all these producers and, and the culture at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I knew obviously, but I just was curious as to why I had to sign to Polo. I didn't know. And I had instead of directly with Interscope, yeah, you're saying or just, time, right? or maybe we could talk to Pharrell, you know, okay. I don't know, just see who yeah. else is interested in. Yeah. I didn't realize at the time, it was a mixture of just me being young, not knowing the business mm -hmm. and also just simply not knowing the reality that Polo was the one that like brought it home. Mm -hmm. He like put it in the end zone for me because, mm -hmm. you know, Jimmy loved it, but I think it was really Polo's like impression, his influence that Jimmy was like, all right, I trust you. Polo was really like the, my main champion who like was like, Jimmy, you have to sign this. And so I, that's why. Yeah. I, that's so I feel like what I've noticed about yeah. the business is like people get excited about something, but nobody like pulls the trigger. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, oh everybody's like, Oh, keep us posted on what you're doing. We love what you're doing. Am I right? But yes. then it takes somebody to like push it into the end zone. I think the reason that <laughs> is, is because people don't want to like put their reputation on the line for something before yeah. they know it's going to pop. It's fear-based, bro. You know, that's yeah. most of the industry um, especially now, cause now it's just, you need statistics. It's mm -hmm. like, you need the followers and metrics. Or, right, yeah, and you don't yeah. have the metrics. They ain't yeah. even looking twice. True. Back then they would have looked twice, but it still was not as common as like, all right, this is a sure bet. Like, you know, they're made, they're making the music that's, that's in why right I now. didn't belong there because I was right. like, you got a thousand views on a video right, and right. you're sick. Let's go. Like, right. let's find resources. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like the old school way. And that's how I got signed was <laughs> yeah. the old school way still. Meaning like it wasn't cause I, 
you know, went viral. It's not because I did X, Y, Z, which there was no TikTok or even Instagram mm-hmm. then, but there still was like, you could have went viral on YouTube. You could have like done something that might've like got their attention. And you it was the way that artists should get it. Back in, in like my the opinion, day, yeah, but... like you get discovered somewhere <laughs> yeah. or, or someone sees a video or a thing you did. Yeah. And that's, that's how it it's like, think about me. like, bro, can you imagine how so, to, to take this to the extreme yeah. and make you laugh? Can you imagine an A&R hearing Amy Winehouse oh being like, God. bro, Oh, she's only got 38 views on this like Insane. little video. Insane. I'm going to ignore this. Insane. I feel like the scouts now, the A&Rs at this point, they're just like looking at TikTok. I mean, really, yeah. I, mean, I, I speak to that. I have friends that work at these labels yeah. that, like, that's really it. because it's a way for them to protect their job exactly see what i'm saying like right. oh we signed this it failed right. but it had like 25 million things on it right. Right? right so you're probably gucci right exactly yeah and so with me it was like that that old mindset like i said like just i mean they people so i didn't have an album i didn't have i wasn't selling out shows like there was yeah. nothing I, in a way I did it too fast. It was the best thing that happened to me, but also like the worst, but it was, it was more so the best than the worst because it, 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 it taught me everything I needed to know. Bro, you know, when firsthand. label deals go wrong, Jared, yeah. that shit fucks up a lot of people, man. I've got close friends. One guy that was signed to Capitol Records when Coldplay was breaking, right. got no attention. Of course. It fucked him up and he's an amazing artist. Yeah. It, I mean, that's just, you learn as you get older in this it, game, like, <laughs> The the reality of it is yeah. like you know becoming that one of the Billboard you know charting artists that the whole world knows is like it, you look at the stats on it. I mean it's it's more challenging than like breaking and being successful. And it doesn't always break down to talent. I want to be clear on that. No. You need a there's like literally twenty five variables right. that you need ticked off in order to do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know it's just. It's like it's harder than the restaurant business. It's harder than winning the lottery. I mean, it's yeah. not hard to get a deal. Yeah. That's kind of easy if you're talented and you know the right people and you're doing the right thing, you're hustling. But in terms of like after you get signed to like the whole world knows who you are, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like that's that's just it's one in a million, you know. So the thing that got me signed, mm-hmm. like I said, was the video, but the record that accompanied that video was a record I did in GarageBand like in my laptop, no, oh, no microphone. So great. Like I was no microphone. It was the internal microphone in GarageBand. So I would go, I would set up my laptop and like, and like speak into the laptop, and I'd rap into the laptop and sing into it and do all that. And so I didn't really know. I, I had never really been in a in a booth crazy. with a mic with a headphone. Like, and I, I was very untraditional. Like what got me signed was like an untraditional way of recording. Wow. It was it was interesting. Before I started getting in the studio with Polo or really any other producer, it was Jimmy Douglas and his partner, Ill Factor, mm-hmm. who to this day, Ill Factor is, he's produced most of my album that I'm putting out soon. So I still have You've that. You've been rocking with him for like oh, 12 yeah. years yeah, or ever something? ever since, wow. yeah. Him and Jimmy taught me everything. That's I mean, awesome. It, the growth that I had, I remember the first trip I did down there, I, I didn't really know what my voice was. I didn't know the melodies I should be pursuing. Like I knew I liked Radiohead, but I also liked Al Green. Mm-hmm. And I was still in my mimic phase of like half mimicking Al Green and like that and like soul Finding music. Your own style, but also right? like half like doing alternative like Radiohead shit while rapping. So you know, working with them really like it it helped me understand my voice and so those were really the people I, I was making my whole album with back then and, and the records uh, initially. And then I'd say like a couple months into my deal, maybe like three to four months, that's when I, that's when I went in with Polo and, and we started working on some stuff. But we really only went, the whole time I was with Polo, we really only did like three records 
together because most of my work was done with Jimmy and Ill Factor. But, but Polo was like your label head at that, technically, kind of. So was he feeling the stuff you were doing with Jimmy and Ill Factor? Absolutely. That, okay. That's why cool. it stayed yeah. that way because right. everyone at the label, Jimmy, everyone was like, nah, this, keep doing that. Like, mm-hmm. he, he was, that's why I respected Polo because he wasn't, he wasn't like, yo, just because you're signed to me now, I have to make every beat on your album. Mm. He understood that I have a thing that I do and that these people are help, have helped me really like dive into it all the way. And he kind of just let me do my thing with them. That's wild because I'm thinking yeah. about how M signed with Dre and right. we had on this podcast, Jeff Bass. I don't well, know if of you course. know him. I, mean, I don't know him personally. But Jeff's a legend, bro. Bass like, yeah, yeah, the Bass Brothers. Legend, bro. Like, lose yourself of without course. me. And I mean, like, even early, I remember even just like 98, like Slim Shady LP. Yes, yeah, Slim Shady LP. Yeah. That was them. And so I remember Jeff sharing with me like, you know, it wasn't until I think it was like the third album or something right, right. where, you know, because my name is is the one that broke M. Right. And that was Dre. Right. And I, and I was like, yeah, like Jeff was like, we're talented. We're doing something right. cool. And right. like, and anyways, um, so I thought of a little bit about that. I wonder if Dre was like, no, I want, this is my thing. And I want it right. more with my signature sound. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So no, you know, I, I think, uh, having gone through it and seeing how it works, I think that guys like that, they just want what's best for the artist. I did get <laughs> to a point where I, there was a, a clash with Polo also yeah. creatively. That's as ultimately what when I said the best and worst thing happened, mm. it, it was it that statement really boils down to like a specific record that I did. I didn't put out an album with Interscope. It was just a single. Yeah, I, I that was like, all that ever came out was, was one all single. All that ever came out wow. was one single. It was the one that Polo produced and it was the one that I knew in my gut like wasn't authentically me. And that that's what I think the problem was and and you know polo was dope don't get me wrong he's one of the best producers of the 2000s like Mm -hmm. i'm a fan of his where i had hero by Nas and carrie like before i was signed to polo i was like oh shit polo don like that's dope but me and the type of artist i am and where i was coming from i did that's why i asked when i got signed why creatively i don't know if this makes sense that's what you're saying he's he's one of my favorites it's just uh, creatively i didn't know if it made sense because here i'm coming from like this like I said, like this Radiohead, Wu-Tang, alternative kind of undergroundy thing I was doing. Yeah. And Polo's like a mainstream bar- billboard chart-topping R&B It was when... Uh, yeah, yo, what, you're making me think. Because when I was at Interscope yeah. still, Jimmy had Timberland produce Cornell, uh, Chris Cornell. Right, of course. I don't know if you remember the, that. The Scream album, of course. Do you remember that? Yeah, of but course. I was like... That, that was right when I... That was right around that same time. It didn't feel right to me. Just, I wanted to back it, up your it, point it, it of it didn't feel right. It didn't yeah, feel, I don't yeah, think it yeah. felt right to any Chris Cornell fans. He was known in Soundgarden and Audio Slave. So I think that's more random. Like when you're known for like Soundgarden and then you come with some Timberland. I feel like the audience could be more forgiving because you already know, but you were right. just getting new eyes on you. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, which was different. It's different. So like, Oh, he's doing this. Okay, right. this ain't for me. But it wasn't really the real you. Right. It was like they Which, were saying no to what wasn't the real you almost. Right. When I did this record with Polo, that was really me like channeling like Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. Mm. You know, I was really trying to like do this ACDC kind of thing. Like that's what that record was calling for. And I'm good at it. I love Led Zeppelin's one of my favorite bands, but that's not, not where I was coming from in my basement and garage band. The thing that I did with Rick, this thing that got all the interest in, in the first place was tell us about that, that record. Yeah, Jared. Frozen. I want to know what that was the one you did on the laptop with yeah, no microphone. Exactly. I want to hear about that record. What yeah. was, what was it about and what was behind that record? Yeah. Frozen was, uh, frozen was this record where each verse 
told a different story about a tragedy that happened. Mm. You know, either things that I turned on the news and I would hear about or people I personally knew, like this girl I remember from my high school got into a car crash mm. and it killed the other person. And, and I just was writing the shit that was on my mind. And like each verse was a different story and a different perspective. And um, it just was a deep record that was just how I was feeling at the time. I sent it to Rick after I did it and uh, you know I produced it I made the beat I did it all on GarageBand um, unconventionally like no big money I mean even how I was producing like I wasn't producing to the grid at the time I just sent it to Rick because he, he was waiting to shoot me a video he's like yo keep I kept sending him records and he was like you know, nothing, nothing is blowing me away. Nothing is, it's all dope, but visually I'm not seeing it yet. Keep, keep writing. And I made this frozen record. And I remember the night I sent it to him. He's like, this is the he's one. Like, I'm doing this for free. I'm coming to Long Island. Yeah. It's, it's on me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, this is the one yeah. I'm going to shoot for you. I already have the concept. It, like it, it's brilliant. I, I let's, let's do it. How'd the video turn out? It's, it's, I mean, to this day, I still think that's like my most special video based on what it did for me and like what it meant at the time. And also, I mean, if you watch it, it's a movie. I mean, it's, I think that's why people loved it so much. You know, I think I wouldn't have gotten these offers and this interest from people mm -hmm. if it was just the song. I think because it had this certain video that I'm telling you about, that's what like really blew people away. Is like, they just saw me. They were able to like see what the artist looked like and I was acting in it. It was like a movie. So hmm. they, I guess they just saw the potential just by seeing the video. It was like a really good way to just pitch me. Like instead of just hearing the record. But that's the one that really got you all the momentum into like talking to the label seriously, right? Absolutely. Okay, Actually, okay. before so. uh, DJ Manny, Polo, etc., I met with Puff, Daddy. Did Rick send it to him? Because yeah, Rick. That's we, okay. we. It was a private link that Rick and his partner at the time, um, Steve Carless. He he he's a he's a good uh, homie. We go back. I haven't <laughs> seen him in a minute, but he wanted Rick to shoot visuals for him for Bad Boy and other got projects it, he yeah, had yeah. and. So Rick had a few meetings with him and like, I think it was the second or third meeting. Wow. Rick was just waiting for an opportunity. He kept telling me, he's like, yo, I'm going to do it. Like we're just like <laughs> me and Steve were waiting for the right moment. And they found a moment and they were in the studio one day having a meeting and, and Rick was like, Hey Puff, by the way, check out the, I want to just see what you think about this video. And he played Puff the frozen video, the one that I'm telling you about and Puff, I remember the text was Puff did three backflips. That's that's what they said. Wow. And he, he wants to meet you. Wow. Got that text, um, was waiting for a meeting with him. And mm -hmm. then randomly, like the following week or two after the initial Diddy's interested call, mm -hmm. I got a call. Um, actually, my cell phone was dead. I was with a girl, actually. I'll <laughs> never forget. This is like literally what happened. I was yeah. with a girl. I didn't, it wasn't my girlfriend, just the girl I was hooking up with, right? Yeah. It was like a Saturday night. Yeah. My phone was dead, my cell phone. But I was at my house with the girl, like my, my childhood, <laughs> my parents' house. And I, my home phone rang, like, my, like the house phone. We're going old school, man. Nobody school. even has a house phone my anymore. Phone, my, like, yeah. my LG uh, phone, <laughs> the flip phone was dead. So I was like, you know, I, this is my parents' phone. Like, I'll, I'll answer it. I'll see what's up. Because it kept ringing. Yeah. So I picked it up, and it was my manager at the time. He was like, bro, I've been trying to call you. Your phone is dead? What, like... Diddy wants to meet you now. Like he's in the city. He wants you to come to the city and like we're going to. And you're in Long Island. I'm in Long Island. This is about a 30 minute travel. Easy. Easy. Yeah. So I told the girl, hey, I, I got to go. I, I got to. Did you tell her you mean Diddy? Yeah, I'm going, to meet, I'm going to meet Diddy now. I drove to the city immediately and yeah. I met up with my manager and we were just kind of having an initial pre like 
you know game um, plan for the meeting yeah, type like of what, thing. Like yeah. Where's Puff? Yeah, where are yeah. we meeting? Getting uh-huh. all the information. Yeah. And what are what's the agenda? What are we doing? Exactly. Here? And came to find out he was at this spot called Crash Mansion, which was like a club. I don't know. It's I don't think it's in New York anymore. But it, this was like a popping club back in in oh nine oh eight area. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was at. This is a Saturday night. This is like now 11 p.m., 10, 30 p.m., late at night. We like rolled up to the club and we had like Puff's guy with us who was the liaison mm-hmm. to get us in there. And yeah, it was at a club. It was loud. It was music playing. And we get into the club and we're walking up Puff's little area and, and we're going. And go. It's all roped off and shit. He's exactly. back there somewhere. Yeah. And as we get closer, I see Puff like standing on like... <laughs> Like it was a table. It was like a VIP table with He's bottles. He's standing on the table. Bro. He was he was standing on one of the like chair things oh, at the yeah. table. Like like how you would see him in like get him to the like just like crazy. He's, that, he's really he, that he's guy, like, bro. He's that puff. He was like <laughs> had a bottle. Yeah, he was like doing his thing, and I was like, wow. And I I'll never forget as I got closer and closer to him, he like pointed at me. He he recognized me because he saw the video. He pointed, and as I got real close, because it was hard to hear, he, he was like, God sent you to me. And I was like, I was like, Puff, God sent me right back to you. <laughs> That's amazing, That's I, dude. I can't make this up. This is like, I relive it every time I tell the story. But at this point, I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just loving this. I'm just love that I'm with Puff and this is crazy. Wow. Um, so we were just kind of standing around for a while, like kind of waiting ducks, like, okay, like this is dope, but what's, what are we doing? Are we going to get to really talk to him? It's too loud. And we were there for like probably 40 minutes and then... Puff's guy who was liaisoning us was like, all right, we're rolling out. We're going to go to Puff. He, he's at the London Hotel. That's where he was. Even though he's from New York, he like rented out the top floor at the London Hotel, I guess. So I was like, okay, that's where we're going to talk to him. So we left the venue and we got in the car and we went to the Bro, London. Bro, what time are we on now? Is now this like one? Like, now we're like midnight. Okay, midnight. 12.30. Okay. Um, you know, in New York City, that's like, that's, oh, that's, when, you, that's early, when you start right? going out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's like the beginning of the night. That was, I'm on New York City <laughs> terms right here. Um, so it's fine. It wasn't like it was five in the morning. Like, yeah. it was cool. Like, all right, I'm, d- I'm down. We're like, not on a Biza time clock yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we left the venue, went to the hotel, and now it's quieter. It's where, even though there's a lot of people, there's probably like 15, 20 of his close friends there doing a little after party thing. Yeah. We finally are sitting down um, at this like little couch area. Puff's still kind of doing his, his thing. Like he's, he's saying crazy things. Like it was, <laughs> it was great though. It was, it was hilarious. And then he sat down and finally now we're together. And he, he says, all right, tell me everything. Mm. Like, like tell me the story. Like here's a real conversation about exactly. to happen. Like, yeah. like I can hear him now. There's no loud music. It's like how we're talking. I, yeah. can, I can hear him. And he's like, tell me your whole story. Tell me everything. And I just told him like, yo, I'm, I'm a musician. I started playing the drums when I was a little kid. Mm. Um, I wasn't into hip hop initially. I, I really was like, came from the rock world. Like I, I grew up like loving and idolizing Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and King Crimson, Pink Floyd. And that's kind of the world I, I started in. And as I evolved and grew and grew, I, I became obsessed with hip hop. You know, the same way I fell in love with rock music, I fell in love with hip hop. And I told Puff that. I was like, when I first saw the Method Man video by, by Wu-Tang, like the M-E-T-H-O-D, when I saw that, um, I was just, I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was so enamored by what they did in that video and just the sound and everything. And that evolved into me rapping. And then that evolved into me, you know, singing. Because originally I was just a drummer. Even though I was in the rock world, I wasn't like a, a art, I wasn't a vocalist. 
I was a drummer. I played in bands. And she got a great voice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You didn't really know you had a great voice. No, until I, I didn't like, grow up singing. Like I didn't grow up in like interesting. ever singing. I didn't know that that was something I could do. Hmm. Rapping is what opened me up to songwriting, freestyling, like lyrics, anything that had to do with like song structure, writing, like just anything that had to do with just being a vocalist. Yeah. It's that rap is what opened the floodgates for that. Back to this meeting with Diddy though, like, yeah, cause yeah. I'm in the room, I'm locked in with you right. and Y'all are finally away from the fucking champagne the bottles yeah. and all that. So, um, yeah, he's like, tell me everything. You tell him your I background. I literally just told him what I told you. Yup, that's I'm, your background. And then where does it go? And then he's like, look, I get it. I get it. Like, uh, he's like, usually I need to interview artists. Like, I need to see them perform to really, like, be sold on them. And he was like, I, I, I don't need to do that with you. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I want to take a gamble with, like, I know what you, he was like, you're, he, he understood it. He wow. was like, you're this alternative kid who like, you, you're doing like this radio head thing, but you rap, like you sound like a, a little bit like Wu-Tangy. Like, I, I get it. Like you sing and you rap, but you're not, it's not like R&B singing. It's more like alternative-y kind of interesting. And, and he's like, let's do it. He's like, I'm down to do it. He's like, let me sit with this. And when he was talking about, I did have a mixtape at the time, which mm -hmm. wasn't out. Nothing was out. The video that he saw was not out. Yeah. Everything's I, happened so fast, I feel it like, was insane. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it was a, a year before this, I was interning at the Fader. Not even a year. This wow. was like eight months prior. I was just an intern crazy. trying to figure out what's going, like what the sound is, what I'm doing. I yeah. was just kind of getting there. And it all actually, it was fast, but it, it happened at the right time because if Diddy, if this happened with him and everything in like 06, mm -hmm. it wouldn't happen because I had just got my laptop. You know, my, the present, mm. my graduation present was a this MacBook that my dad gave me. And that's what opened the floodgates. That for you me made like, this track on, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah but yeah. but it took, two, it took, that was 06. It took three years to like sound how I did in 09. Like I, it, I needed to get how, like I You got, had to evolve. Yeah. I developed so much. My yeah. voice, if you... If you listen to me when I first got the MacBook Pro versus 09, which was still early, like yeah. it was day and night, and wow. it's it, it kind of happened. Were you almost embarrassed of some of your earlier work then after that few years oh, yeah, in? For right? sure, okay. for sure. Yeah, um, that's and, a good thing though, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and now I listened to the first few interviews I did. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Right. No, it's always like that. Yeah. It's always kind of like that. And and now when I look back on the own what I played for Diddy, I'm like ashamed of that. But <laughs> but no. <laughs> so good. he was that's like, good. he's like, look, I'm gonna marry. Let me marinate on this he's like i want to do it but let me sit with this and, yeah and, and i'll get back to you guys like soon and two three weeks went by and it, you know in that two three weeks we were able to take this news um that diddy is interested and like use that to get other more meetings right because right. mm -hmm. it's real like yep. if people want to go they, 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 they got receipts yeah, they you want a receipt go, <laughs> go call diddy he'll tell yeah, you what's yeah, what yeah. And so it, it, we were, I was nervous. I was like, oh, is he going to do it? Like we were waiting and waiting, but it was good because it gave us the time to meet with other people. Yeah. And it was in that interim of waiting for Puff's offer where Interscope caught wind of it and they flew me out. And that was the first time I really, I mean, I'd been to LA before that, but not really like that. Like, you know, they, they, they wine and dine. Like you want some nice dinners, like, yo, let's go here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was insane. I, you know, I met Manny, Manny, he got, he, he offered me anything. Like, I wasn't signed yet. He was just interested in me. He's like, yo, do you need anything? I was like, yo, I need weed, actually. Can you give me something? 
<laughs> he got me like a whole fucking jar of weed. Like, <laughs> awesome. They were just really, they wanted to get it popping with me, yeah. but they, they needed the final okay from Jimmy Iovine. Mm. And Jimmy wasn't like, he like heard about it, knew about it kind of, but I, I went through this like chain of people. It started with Manny. who mm. I, I love Manny. He's like, yeah. I still love him to this He's day. Dope. He's one of the nicest people I ever met. Then I met through him, DJ. And then DJ said that, we're gonna. We have to meet Polo soon because Polo's the guy that is, is like telling Jimmy about it for real. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting to meet with Polo. Then I met Polo. I, I I spoke to him, told him my influences. The same story every time with these people. Yeah. And he was like, "I want to do it." Then I finally met with with Jimmy Iovine. It was a funny story because Jimmy was like in the building, like in the studio where I was, but he didn't know that I was there. Jimmy Douglas was with me, who, like I said, flew up and helped me out. OG mix engineer who probably goes back with Jimmy Iovine. Exactly. Yep. So this is why this is important because Jimmy Douglas left. I was in a room with Timberland. I, I went to the Interscope studio. I actually, the first person I met there was Jay-Z. Jay-Z it was in the Interscope studio? Yeah, he was just leaving. Oh, and he knew Jimmy Douglas because Jimmy Douglas has been with Jay multiple times, yeah. you know, mixing his records. And, I'm, and Jimmy introduced me to Jay-Z. And he's like, this is that, this is the next kid. This kid's next. And Jay was like, oh yeah, this, this, this kid, you next. And he, he shook my hand and never forget that. That's a surreal ass moment. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm going from puff to, I'm yeah. going through all my idols right now. So then, then I go in Timberland's room, which was Polo's room. They were like sharing it. And this was before I met Polo. This is like right after I met Manny, this is what I went to go do. Wow. And met Jay, then went into the room. Timberland's there. Now I'm talking to Tim, playing Tim, the video, the Frozen, all of our tools that we've been circulating to, with all, yeah. in all these meetings. Yeah. And he was he, blown away. He was into it. But we still didn't get Jimmy on board all the way yet. And okay. So we were in this room with Tim, and Jimmy Douglas steps out to go to the bathroom. He just had to go to the bathroom. And at that exact moment when he went to go to the bathroom, he, Jimmy Iovine was leaving. And so they they cross paths right like when jimmy was going to the bathroom and jimmy d was like they know they know each other they go back from the seven i mean they're both renowned producers oh gee yeah so jimmy d is is um telling jimmy i like hey have you met the kid yet jimmy i was like no i haven't met him yet where where is he and jimmy d was like well he's in here come come in here so we still i have this conversation with jimmy d to this day that if it it wasn't for that exact timing where jimmy d had to go to the bathroom (laughs) I don't. I don't know if you it don't think you would ended up in Interscope. I don't. Maybe I would have, but not at that. Not in that timing. Yeah. And um, because he saw Jimmy and he came into the room, and now Jimmy Iovine's in the room with Timberland, Jimmy Douglas. Like we're all there, and mm-hmm. then we played Jimmy the videos. I had two. It was Frozen and this other one called Headphones. Jimmy D. Um, Jimmy I was extremely enamored by the Headphones video because this was right when Beats by Dre was. In its infancy, yep. he was just starting this headphone thing. And he sees a, a record that I made called Headphones, and I'm wearing headphones. That's and wild. So his his entrepreneur mind was just like, wow, headphones. Like, and we, if the album flops, we can use them right now. No, he was, he <laughs> was just like, we have to, he's like, yo, this is amazing. Like, he just, yeah. he was already in a headphone world. That yeah. Now he's seeing me, and he just, a, a light bulb's going off. Like, we, we have to reshoot this, and you got to do this with, with Beats by Dre's. And, he was just, he's like, I would love for Interscope to be your home. Like, let's do this. You, you, this, you, you have to be with us. It was right around that time where we got the offer back from Puff and it was modest. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, it was, it was, a, it was little compared to what Interscope offered. Interscope was just offering more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They offered me the, the world. Like, so not only were like the numbers bigger with the Interscope deal, but you just felt like the resources 
was going to be bigger with inter- yeah. everything was bigger yeah. i'm with yeah. jay-z i'm with timberland i'm with jimmy iveen i'm with, like i got all the ars like wanting to get this done like it just seemed like i got like we should yeah. and and also the you know the money did influence the, the money influenced the yeah, decision because yeah, yeah. it was it was not normal like the deal that i was given mm-hmm. i was so lucky because that type of deal you get if you have already more of a like, track record, yes, right? And yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I was interning eight months before this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, yes, let's do this. This is phenomenal. And you know, it was through this deal. And then I, I was able to do these other deals. Like I got a, a publishing deal with Sony TV. Yeah. I got a check from ASCAP, like all under the, the wow. thing that like Jimmy Iveen is like, he's betting all the way on this. And um, actually the first thing they did once I signed to them, there was this, LeBron James like documentary that came oh I remember out, that yeah it was in the game yeah yeah that yeah. that is a big song forever right on yeah there? exactly yeah. with Kanye uh-huh. Eminem and Drake mm-hmm. Frozen got put on that album you're serious yeah so right when I wow. got signed that's what made me like all right you know what I was a little nervous about creative control but look I I signed and now they're like putting what I did that I believe they're putting it on the thing. Like they're not changing it. They're, they're like championing it. They're like, that was a huge look for me. That's wild. You know? So, um, everything just feels like it's up and up and up and up and up. Right. It it felt like it was until that record that Polo wanted me to do the one that he produced that Mm. he already had like a hook on it and he just needed me to finish writing it. And it was completely out of my wheelhouse. And wow. that was like the first red flag. And like I said, as much as I loved Polo and still do, and I have respect for him, I knew in my gut that that wasn't right for me to do. That that wasn't authentic to me. We're talking about being authentic earlier. Yeah, that's, that's what wins, I feel like. That was a complete yeah. example of the opposite of yeah. like, that was not who I was. And, you know, I, I, I remember telling my manager at the time when he wanted me to finish that record. Can I say something? Yeah. Really on that note? I think the reason why authenticity works is if it doesn't, if it, it, if it finds a spark within you, right. it'll find a spark within somebody else somewhere. One billion percent. Right, right you, there. You, you yeah. can't say I get, I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's a fortune cookie right yeah. there. What, what, yeah. How'd you come up with that? Shit. I just roll with but it. But that's it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and that wasn't me. Like the yeah. thing that I was, Frozen was me. The yeah. thing that got me signed, the thing that raised diddy's eyebrows and jimmy eyes originally that his their eyebrows that's what was me it was i was stuck between a rock and a hard place because i did it i finished it i remember that day my manager was like look uh, he agreed he's like look definitely this record is not this doesn't sound anything like you i, I he's like i agree i was gonna say you, you talked to your manager yeah. about this dilemma you yeah. were in right and he agreed, and, and but his but his business mindset said look the very least let's just finish writing it let's cut it Let's just, let's just, like, let's just, it's a chess move. Let's just, like... Appease him for now. Let's just appease Polo. Let's just, we're on his team. Like, we Mm -hmm. want, like, worst comes to worst, dude. We don't put it out. Yeah. But recording it is not going to hurt you. So I finished writing it and Mm -hmm. I recorded it. And it was, like I said, it was like a Robert Plant, like Lenny Kravitzy almost type of thing. Mm And, uh, you know, did it and then kind of forgot about it. Went on with my life. And then three, four months later, I got a call from Polo. And he was like, bro, your life's about to change. Like, you know, Jimmy was always excited about you, but I finished the record. I mixed it. Like I finished producing it. I just played it for Jimmy. And like, he's going to put all the money that he, he's gonna, he, that he has into your project. Like your life is about to change. Like, he's like, I just played the song for Jimmy. It's, it's the first mix. And he made me play it 10 times in a row. He, he was like, we were in a car with all these girls and like, Jimmy just could not believe it. Like the, the, the energy was just. Like your life's about to change. And I remember that phone call was like, 
the most exciting call I ever got, but also at the same time, like the most nerve wracking, like my heart sank to my stomach because I was like, Oh God, like the, the song that Jimmy is now obsessed with that he's going to do whatever he can in his power to make number one is the record that I know is not me. And it's just, uh, God, but you know, so I had trouble with that for like uh, several weeks. And then, you know, I just saw what my life was doing, you know? And what I mean by that is like, I'm with Pharrell for a week making records. I'm, I'm with Danger. I'm with, I'm with Dre. I, I worked with Dre. You worked with Dre for a little I bit? I worked okay. with Dre okay. for a bit. Like, because Interscope opened up all the doors to you, Interscope saying, opened right? up all the doors, yeah. but what I'm really saying is that this record is what opened up the doors. It's because of how excited Jimmy got over that record that yes. all these doors opened. Yes, because I was so, already... So far, I'm not seeing this as a bad thing Yeah, yet. no, look, I was, I was already signed. I yeah. already got the advance. Like, yeah. my life was already changed I guess you could say but when this record, when he heard this record, it was like, like he was, it, what happened to me was, like I said, incredible life changing already, but Jimmy wasn't like involved with my project like that. He just liked it. And he was just like, like, like any other project, like, all right, let's just see if it works. Mm -hmm. But when he heard this record, he's like, no, like I'm adopting this kid. Like now I'm like going to supervise this project personally. Okay. But Jared, this is still a beautiful thing no, right no, now. Exactly. And by the way, yeah. So that's why Sam, I was like, I came to the point after mulling it over for weeks. I, I told my manager, like, look, let's just do it, man. Like my life is, is insane. Like I want to keep this going. Right. Wait, 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 we got to hit pause there because yeah, yeah. you're really at this inner tug of war with yourself. Yes. Like this ain't me, but shit, Dre Pharrell, like everything's opening. Literally that was what was going on in you. Yes. That's a hell of a place to be, it bro. Was, it, it That's was. a hell of a place to be. And I just, you know, I guess what it came down to was I, I the the realization I had, what I told myself was, and, and my team was like, guys, look, because we all knew that the rest of the album I had been making was nothing like this one song. Mm. But we all said, like, look, if this is what's going to get it to be the bait to hook all the people, if this is what Jimmy's going to go to do to make me what I want, what we all want me to be, then... Then I, I'll just do it, and then after, like, I'll ha I'll be in control. I'll, I'll be able to make any music I want after that. You know, even the Beatles when you first saw them come out, they were like same haircuts, and the mar it was more about the marketing, and they were a little poppier, and they yeah. weren't they weren't taking drugs yet. They, they weren't like experimental yet. And then they did their experimental shit. Same after with that. Eminem, yeah. like he came yeah. with the everything was kind of a marketing ploy in a way to begin. Yeah. And then once you get everyone's attention, you can kind of blossom into the artist you truly want to be. For sure. And so that's just what my outlook was. Was like. All right, look, I guess, and again, I'm st even though I've been signed for like maybe five months at this point, still it was like new to this whole thing. And mm -hmm. it was like, I guess this is how it works. I guess you come with this big kind of crazy polarizing record that is just so out there that it'll allow me to then like, like Lil Nas X, right? Like that thing. Like that's a good example. Old Town Road. Yeah. It's like, that was like, either you hate that or you think it's so interesting and dope. There's no in between. Agreed. And then after he did it, the whole world knows who he is and now he can kind of do whatever he wants. That's the mindset I had with it. That's the type of record this was. At first it perplexed you, but then this is first how you became me. peaceful but with the, it, as right? As I was like sitting with this information and what's happening with yeah. Jimmy and everything, I was like, all right, look, I, I'm looking at all the track record. I'm think, thinking about all the, also like all the projects that Jimmy was personally a part of, like yeah. Eminem, Limp Bizkit, like all of those things had that kind of thing in the beginning where you just needed to bring the people in yeah. and then they did whatever they wanted creatively after that. So that was kind of what sold me. I, I hit my manager. I was like, look, let's, let's just do it. Like if this is going to be the thing that pops me off, 
then we'll just, then after I'm popped off, we'll, we'll just make anything I want and I'll be able to, because I'll be popped off at that point. And so that Playing was, armchair quarterback, bro. I'm like, right. that's not a bad plan. Like right. I'm with you right now. Let's hear how it plays out though. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was the mentality. Long story short, it didn't, it didn't pan. I think Jimmy did put tons of resources behind it though. Insane. And, I mean, and, it, uh-huh. was, it was on Entourage. Like, yeah. like at that time, if you got your song on the ending credits of Entourage, you were it was like, a rap, wasn't it? You, it, 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 not necessarily a rap, <laughs> but you were a priority. Like you, someone was doing something for you. Yeah. So I kind of, I had that. I, I Wait, had it that. was the ending credits in Entourage? Yeah. It, and one so of the, which episode? One of the, it was Sniff Sniff Gang Bang was the name of the episode. <laughs> And yeah, like, you know, I just saw my life changing. I was like, yeah, let, let, let's do it. Like, I guess this is how it works, you know? What are your friends thinking right now, man? Like, because all, right, all your Long Island people mm-hmm. where they're just like, bro, like you're yes. killing it. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. It's... And in a way, though, I was almost, I became too cool in a way. There was a part during that whole time where I like lost myself kind of because. That's honest. You get so, yeah. you get so much in your head and your ego that like all that matters is like the music business and like everyone at home. Like, and I it literally like every artist that has been in that type of spotlight, yeah. whether they popped off or didn't, if you had that experience at a label, you know what I'm talking about. That will happen to you. Bro. Clancy was just on here right. and he's like, bro, I had to get like the, he's like, I bought 300 pairs of air force ones. Right. I never rewore the same pair of air force ones. Right. He had a Cadillac grill drilled to his desk. Right. He's like, I became a caricature and a business that rewards caricatures, exactly. but then you lose yourself. hundred See, I'm not the only one saying <laughs> you were literally he's not like, even an artist. He's an executive. <laughs> yeah. And, but that's what success especially in this business will do to you because the ego is just so crazy and I, I unless you've seen it I feel like right and, like it's like no, you were I, seeing all that shit for the first time I had but to now when you it. get some crazy shit coming your way you will have a completely different view 1, on it 1000 percent yeah I, and it comes with just growing I'll be honest I won't hold back on that I'll tell you honestly like I you fucking lost yourself I did like and start treat people differently no I wasn't like I mean, an asshole not, I just I was just very self-absorbed because like, but it made you miserable, Jared, it's like, right? It, it's also, yes, but it's also, it's not just where I was in the, in the, with the label. It's the, the, the specific artist that they were wanting me to be and the, the song. And it was, it was, they were really trying to like make me a rock. St- like it was, we, the music was like on the back burner. The mm. focus was like my looks and my celebrity status. That's what, that's what got in the way of everything. And Man. I lost sight and, you know, um, we, we put out the record. It, it, it did go number one in Greece. Like it, it went really well, actually. I remember I put the video out and then the next day it had 400,000 views, like in less than 24 hours. So wow. it was going. Did according- you fly to Greece to perform I, I, this thing? I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the, for the first like eight months that the song was out, mm-hmm. It just was doing its thing on on Vivo and YouTube, but and that's about it. Like it wasn't Interscope didn't go to radio. Like the things there was also some inner political things happening between Polo and some of the other people at Interscope, and it just got in the way of the project. And those are those variables that are out of our control. Out that of we my control. About. Yeah. It it just kind of over time it just dissolved and. Then, then it, then it, there, it, it went, it went viral like in Greece. Like someone played it on, like the Jimmy Fallon of Greece. That's like the equivalent. Crazy. He played it on the show because he found it on YouTube, and then it, like it, it just went number one in Greece. And I remember this was like after seven months, it had already been out. And I remember then 
Jimmy kind of got cold with it, but then when he saw it pop off in Greece, then I was getting called again to his house and shit. And- I always feel like when I have people that have been around him a lot, right. I'm like, yo, what's like, did you get any gems? Any 1, like, can I you, did. can you drop a Jimmy gem r- yeah. for us real quick? Um, just a lot on life, right? Just, just, man, just, just nothing like in particular, just seeing him in his office and, and the things that he would say about the business and like why certain things happened the way they did. Like mm-hmm. I just, just overall, there wasn't like one or two specific things that he said, but it, it was just seeing that man just conduct himself as a businessman and like as a visionary, it just, it, I just walked away with some of that. Like I tried to, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, cause this is someone who is a creative musician. He's a producer, mm-hmm. but grew into like a, a CEO of a company. And so just, being around him, hearing him talk about Tom Petty and like the shit that he produced and, and how he turned it into a business uh, like later, like those are the types of things I just subconsciously just walked away with after being around him. The one thing I, I would say just seeing him maneuver was never like be relentless, be persistent. Like if you have a vision and, and, and that's what it is, that's you need to do anything you can in your power to obtain the vision. Hmm. And that's probably the number one thing in a nutshell that I, that I took away from him. You Amazing. I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, he, he I mean, I Cause he was a scrappy, like, you know, Brooklyn guy, yeah, right? Yeah. You know yeah. 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 He yeah. turns, he turned nothing into something. And that's essentially what, what he taught me. And that's why when I like got off Interscope and I kind of started over again, that's, those are the gems that I, all that stuff working, being around Pharrell and having conversations with Pharrell and Timberland and, just like Mike what was Gallag- the Dre experience like? I'm, this is, is the it? craziest day of my life. Um, that wasn't like a set plan thing. I was at the Interscope studio in Santa Monica and I was in like the lounge area. I was waiting to use Polo's room, but Timberland and Jimmy Douglas were in there having like a private discussion and it was like locked and I couldn't get in. So I was waiting for them to end their convo and have go on with my day, go in there and work on something. So I was sitting in the lounge waiting and then all of a sudden someone walks in the room and I see it's Dre. At this point, I had met Dre like a good amount. I had met him at Jimmy's house several times. Like he knew about me. He knew he had seen me around, but we never really like were together alone. Yeah. And so he was in there and I see, I look up, it's Dre. I was like, we looked at each other. I was like, oh shit, Dre, what's up? Like we started talking and he's like, man, like that record that you did with that polo record. He's like, and this is why I also signed off on it. Cause all of my idols were telling me that this shit's fire. All of them, Pharrell, Dre, Danger, Mike Elizondo, like everyone, Timberland, they were like blown away by this record. So I was like, shit, like I, I got to just trust them. They, they, they know what they're doing. Hmm. So Dre was like, man, that record is crazy. Hmm. I, I, I'm floored by it. Um, I was like, was wow. this at the point when it, when it wasn't working no. in America or no. not yet? It, okay, not, right. Okay. It wasn't even out yet. He was enamored by it. He was floored, whatever. And I said, Dre, thank you. Like, yo, coming from you, that means the world. Let me ask you, what are you working on now? You're at the studio? Like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm in the other room. Like, I just got a beat. Like, I'm loop. I'm trying to write to it. I'm, I'm working on detox. Like, and I don't have anything. I'm just in there with Stat Quo and a couple other people, like, trying to figure out the top line. And he was like, yo, if you want to come in and pen some shit, like, feel free. Like, you're more than welcome to come in. <laughs> so, so like, dope so like, oh fuck okay wow um thank um, god i said no to the puff deal yeah. <laughs> right at that point. for real yeah. 
Then he left the room and I just couldn't like really register what just happened. I was so just like, Bro. did that just, like, I, what? Yeah. Did he just invite me to, I didn't know. So I waited for Manny to show up because I didn't want to just walk in there. Even though he, that's what I heard. I was like, let me just, I just need to check with my, my counselor. It was like <laughs> being at camp. Let me just check with my teacher. So I wanted to wait till Manny got there to just double confirm that that's cool. Yeah. So Manny ended up getting there like 20 minutes later. And I was like, Manny, look, Dre, he like invited me into his room, but like, I'm not with anyone. I'm alone. Like just making sure I can walk in there. So he went to go check and then he came back to me. He's like, yeah, dude, he's been waiting in there for for 20 minutes. So I was like, oh shit. Okay. (laughs) So I went in, I went in and now I'm in this room with Dre and Stacqua was there and this guy Sly was in there and that was it. It was just them three and me. And Dre had this, just the most gangster, like illest Dre sounding beat. I'll never forget it on loop. And yeah, they were he just was on loop and trying to come up with something. And uh, Stat was writing and I was kind of doing melodies. Like I was just so nervous. Like I was going to say, were you feeling a lot of pressure? Yeah. Cause I didn't want to like overdo it and like overwrite and like show off that I'm a good writer. I kind of just was like letting Stat do his thing and I would, you know, do melodies and Stat kind of wrote this this hook thing and I started singing what he wrote and I, I was singing it and Dre heard me singing his lyrics and Dre was like, yo, your voice with that, with what Stat just wrote is going to be crazy. Like, go in the booth. This was also, keep in mind, this was like five hours I was in there with him. Wow. We spent like the first hour and a half trying to get this hook and then the next hour was recording and then the next rest of the hours was just chilling with Dre. And... I've never had this was the crazy you talking about like experience I've had in the music business this is number one most surreal moment fuck music business just my life yeah. this specific part of the story when I walked in the booth mm-hmm. and so now I'm in the booth at the mic and Dre is at the board and he's recording me and I'm that right there was the crazy like Dr. Dre recording my vocals was the craziest experience I've ever had in my life I'll never forget that day and it was a crazy record. I put my vocals on it. I remember my manager then came into the room. He he showed up at the studio and I'm in there with Dre and they were like having their little conversation. I couldn't hear because they were in there and I was over here. And I remember I went back to my manager after I was like, yo, I saw you talking to Dre in there. Like, what were you guys talking about? And he was like, nah, he was just telling me how he how dope he thinks you are. And he he said he he yeah, you remind him of M just like your vibe you remind mm. he said you were he rem, um Jared reminds me of of Slim, wow. and I'll just these words I'll never forget incredible, these are experiences bro. I'll never forget incredible and that's why like you know today in 2021 I I didn't end up becoming Drake, I didn't end up doing that whole thing but I can die happily knowing what I've done. I can, wow. you know what I mean? Like I could die tomorrow. You met some of your heroes. Like you were, yeah, it's like. I, I it's lived like, it. I lived the life. Yeah. I, I did it. And it's not over yet. But that time in my life, man, like it doesn't really. You wouldn't trade it. It doesn't even matter that I, that it didn't become what we wanted it to ultimately. Because what I did during that time was, Man, people were killed to have yeah. those experiences. I, I'm just lucky. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, I worked hard to get in that position, but a lot of it is just is like luck and the universe and like God. You know what I, I mean? Like, yo, I hate to talk sound deep, about but, that. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. I yeah. like to go here on these things. <laughs> so, like, how do you manufacture yeah. moments more more moments like that? Because I'm hearing these two very pivotal moments with 
again, you just happened to be at Interscope Studio and Dre happened to be right. in. This was not a planned thing no. at all. How do we manufacture these? I'm asking you like yeah. the billion dollar question no. right now, but is that fair? Yes, you know, how do no, we, and I'll yeah. tell you how. Like I said before, what, what Jimmy instilled in me, Jimmy Iovine, is like you be relentless. You know, what got me, that was all timing and like universe type of stuff, but at the same time, it was things I was doing. I was interning at the Fader. I was driving Cypress Hill to Hot 97. I voluntarily chose to do certain things that mm -hmm. like put me in this type of energy mm. that, that allowed these things to happen for me. And to answer your question, how do you continue to manufacture that is you continue doing that. What, the answer is you never lose the 19-year-old intern in you. You keep that 19-year-old intern in you forever. And as long as you keep that hunger, like, like, like you just started yesterday, that's how it happens. These things can happen you for go you after, still, yeah. You go after what you love. And there was a period where that stuff went away because I chose a different route. I went, like I was doing independent stuff. I was, you know, I wasn't in the major label. I wasn't trying to get there anymore. I had post interscope. I, post interscope. Saying, yeah. I like that. I wasn't trying to get back to that. I, I, I was, did you want to get off the label? Like at some point, mm -hmm. like, you know, you hear the story a thousand times by every major label artist where it's not sort of clicking. Right. Right. Um, which it stopped clicking at some point. It did. Then their dream becomes, and it's so, super ironic because their dream is to be on the label right. and then their dream is to get the fuck off the label. Right. My dream was at that time was yeah. crushed. I didn't want to get off. I wanted to stay. Wow. Okay. I wanted, cause I felt important. I felt mm. that that was again with my ego and like how I lost myself. I put my full identity and like, no, I got to be signed to a major label because if not, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Right. Well, yeah. Which is the wrong type of thinking, which I've grown to learn is not good. But at that time, I was, you know, at the end of Interscope, I was 22. So I was still very young. They didn't drop me. It's just my lawyer was like, look, they're not dropping you, but they don't care about you anymore. So your best option is to just let's get out because you might as well be dropped because you could stay there, but you're not gonna be able to do what you want. You're gonna have to approve everything. Like if you want to get on another label or just do what you want by yourself, you need to get off. So talk about like, yeah. you know, pride coming before the fall. Can you imagine like wanting to stay on it there was so bad? Dude, I said where, to my lawyer, yeah. I, was like, I was like, is that the move? Like, can I, can I stay? Like, cause I you just, were still willing I was, I was to so stay. Naive. Yeah, I yeah. just wanted to feel validated. Yeah. I wanted to feel like, wow. dude, that, I was addicted to, to how, I felt at, on Interscope. I like didn't want that to happen, but my my lawyer and everyone around me was like advising me like, nah, there's no it's point. It's like being in a bad relationship. I, I've had yeah. homies that were like not being treated well by the person they were dating. And right. they're like, no, I just want to be in it. Like, I don't care. Bro, bro do you like see it, how you're being treated right now? <laughs> like, because yeah. yo, they feel like if they're not in the relationship with that girl, then yeah. they probably won't be in any at all. 100%. So that, that yes. they'll settle yes. for that. Yes, 100%. And even if it wasn't Interscope, then, you know, I remember Mike Karen from Atlantic was flying yeah. me out. Yeah. Like, then I had this second opportunity of maybe I'll sign to Atlantic and because I was doing this whole thing with Atlantic writing and with, you know, Mike had me work with, right? Because he was interested in signing me mm -hmm. fresh off of Interscope. And I did this whole thing out there and I wrote with, with a lot of writers and did some records and it, that didn't end up panning out either, but... I just, it just goes you to You just wanted you. to hang on though, I wanted, right? Yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah, hang yeah, on yeah, to yeah. major. Yeah. I wanted to be a major label artist. Yeah. After it didn't pan out and I just ended up kind of going back to my basement and garage and like, not garage band. At this point, I like was a, like a full flat, like my skill set was just 
that's yeah. what it did. Like it just gave me this. Like it grew me. It just made me a like more of a, a monster artist, having gone For through sure. the label. So now that I'm off, I just decided. All right, look, I let go of the whole trying to stay major thing. I was like, let me just go back to doing what I love. That's I ended up having that mindset. It was like a good month or two after where. How, did it get really dark though? Honestly, it it yeah, I was very, depressed. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, fuck, yeah. like I, it's over. Like the dream is over. Like, like what are we? Like the what the, what the all that shit meeting with Diddy and like the excitement and and, and like this they're putting me on. You know what I'm getting and, the vision of? It's like yeah. the little kid at the arcade that has he's out of quarters at the video game machine. Yeah. Fucking painful, that's right? Lit- that's literally, <laughs> literally it. that. Yeah. And but I, I essentially I, I ended up hitting a point where. I just wanted to go back to doing what I loved. Yeah. And I made my first album, the fourth chapter, post Interscope. This was like the first project I really ever put out. Um, and I, I saw what that did for me in terms of like a fan base. Like I had fans in Greece, but they only liked that one record that I did with Polo. Mm. They didn't know my story. They, there was no definition to me as an artist. But they it were was, open to more records from you then, right? That's yeah. the thing. So did you try and work songs to Greece now somehow? Yeah, or? you know, I, I toured Greece. Like, I, I capitalized off of that fully. I, I mean, yeah. my smallest show there when I went was like like 700 people. Like That's that incredible, was, that was like man. My wow, smallest that's incredible. Show. Wow. So, you know, um, I catered to that as much as I could, but I didn't want to just keep repeating that song, In Love With You, and that was the yeah. name of the song, In Love With You, In Love With You, In Love With You. That was all they wanted to hear. I mean, they loved me, yeah. but they loved that song. And yeah. I wanted to make a, a body of work that like spoke to who I am and like just defined me. So I did. I made this album called The Fourth Chapter after leaving Interscope and seeing what that did from like a real organic, like not a single that's manufactured. Like this is like a how it should have been. Like it, what happened to me was just unheard of. Like it all just happened really fast. When I put out The Fourth Chapter, I saw like how it really organically should happen. The same taste that I had built for like the Interscope life, mm. I started to build for this indie life. Beautiful. I started to really enjoy... Like, Your autonomy, right? Yeah, you know? just being yeah. in control of my decisions yeah. creatively and like seeing the fans that, that resonate with this and mm. building it. And like I started building this real fan base that like loved what I was saying in these records. And... Um, I started seeing kids tattoo the lyrics on their bodies. Like th- these aren't things I saw when I was on Interscope. Interscope was money, fame, and like feeling like the man, but the music, the creativity kind of suffered. And so I, even though I was depressed when I left the major label world, I, I like was very discouraged a few months into my indie world. I started to really enjoy, I like the opposite in like three, mm. four months into being indie. I was like, I had this epiphany. I was like, what was I thinking? Like wow. they owned my, they got a piece of my merch. They owned my brand. They own like, because I wasn't doing any of that. I, I managers and lawyers were, I didn't care what the logo, was. I wasn't involved with any of that. And then when I started to become involved with that as, as a, as my own chairman, if you will, I, I really started to build like a craving for that and like making my own merch and like making my own creative decisions and shooting the videos I want and putting it out when I want. And I started to like really get addicted to that. And then, so like after a year of being out of Interscope, I like, I was good. Like, I was like, I like this. And so that's then the, the path I took was like building out my indie fan base, going on tours with my peers. Um, 
you know, a lot of artists like G Easy and Hoodie Allen and Logic and all these kids that I because you guys were all buzzing. You guys came up together, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. I kind of came. I was like about to come up before them, yeah, because the Interscope thing. Yeah. And then when I was out of Interscope, I had this second coming. I had this like second start of, and that's with with all those guys. Part of the reason why I think you're finding more joy too is like. You had to develop yourself, your artistry, yeah, exactly. right? Well, you're so young, right? So that's young, that's man. the thing. And like, if you were just gonna follow the world of manufacturing pop records, that's not gonna allow you to grow creatively. You're just gonna always be that. And that, for again, sure, if that's what you want to do, but it's a shame when someone is Picasso and they're <laughs> and like like yeah. destined to do something specific, and you do something uh, else, it defeats the like. Oof. It's you know what I mean. And that's, there's like a tragedy in that in a, a way. There's a tragedy yeah. in that. And I, I, I realized like, no, man, this, I, I have to be who I am. And even, if it's not going to be on big of a, as big of a scale now, then so be it. I'd rather mm. be who I really am and like know it, you know, than, than to be like famous, well, but like not like who I really am. It's like am. the fulfillment factor, man. We don't place enough, I think, because we're living... In like America, it's like everything is like big and shiny and titles and all sorts. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but the reality is, is like what gets lost in the sauce is like people's fulfillment. That's what I'm saying. What's what's the price tag on that? Right, there is no. Chuck, I'm sure you know of Gary Vaynerchuk. He's, he's a lot. He's fun to watch. Yeah, and he just did this video recently of um, he's like the 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 millionaire. Or the pizza delivery guy, the millionaire right. that like can't stand his life, that doesn't want to go home, right. or like, or the pizza delivery guy that's like super amped. At the end of the day, the pizza delivery guy is living a better life. One thousand know percent. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if the other guy who's like living the life yeah. is depressed, is depressed, and, and is like really empty, caught up and empty, I'd rather and like, be the yeah. pizza delivery guy, smiling, right? Yeah. And so that's the analogy of like the major label famous guy. By the way, I'm not anti-label. I'm just anti being someone who you're not. You know what I mean? Perfectly so, said, man. Perfectly right. That's said, what yeah. I learned and. And, you know, I'm not anti-label. I just, you know, having a real fan base that knows who you are and, like, supports it and understands. And don't rush your journey. Right. That's another thing, actually, because Clancy, is this, like, weird how, like, episodes connect sometimes? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Clancy was talking about, like, he's like, you get your hit single, like, super early out of the right. gate. And he's like, it's like cocaine. He's like, it's like this flash. It, oh, and then yeah. it's gone. Right. He's like, he's like, I'd much pref rather prefer a slow-ass build 1, is what he said. See, yeah. Clancy knows because... <laughs> And like Clancy was there, whole, remember, I mean, he was there, I met him, that's how I met Clancy, was through that whole thing, and yeah. that was before Odd Future, and he was working with, the, I think, on Eminem stuff, and... Eminem and 50 and all that right. stuff, he was the main hip-hop marketing guy, OG, Clancy, yeah. man, brilliant guy, and, yeah, um, he really and, is. and yeah, he literally just nailed it, like, yo, and, man, and also, it just, it's a life thing, I think, you just, as you get older... You just realize the things that are stupid and the things that really matter. Yeah. And like this whole sure. thing, man, it's just, it's just a play. It's just a, I love it's that. a Broadway play. I mean, it's just, it's dress up and we, everyone thinks we're cool and blah, blah, blah. But like, yo, we're humans on a planet living life though. My trials and tribulations, the fact that I didn't ultimately become what we wanted me to become. But as I get older, it's like, it's all good because I'm just thankful for what I've been able to do. You alchemized and, it. Ex I alchemized it, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, exactly. So, and it it just comes with also being a, a grown up, like growing up, like mm -hmm. getting older, and yeah. realizing like what really matters versus what's kind of stupid. You know what I mean? For and, sure. And look, as long as I'm at the point now where as long as I can make a living off of what I love, I'm still doing my artist stuff. I have a project coming out. 
what I really moved to LA to do now um, is produce. And like, mm. you know, I'm still with Sony ATV, that deal that I got with them. Uh, you know, I still got to recoup what they gave me. Yeah. And I want to develop artists that I believe in that I think are dope. Like I'm, I'm working with this kid, Che, right now. Who I truly believe it could be like the next one of the greats. You know, he's a rapper, mm. and I'm the sole producer. Like I, like we just put out a project where I, you know I'm kind of like the forty to his Drake, if you will. Amazing. Was that a spontaneous moment? Because I love this. Yeah. One of our themes have been these spontaneous moments yeah. and how to manufacture them. So the moment of you meeting Shay, can For I sure. have that story real quick? The only reason that we're in each other's lives now is from a serendipitous, like unlikely by chance um, situation. I went to Sony one day in New York for a session that I was like this close. I wasn't going to go because I just didn't know if it was right for me. And I was like, Ugh. I had another meeting that day that maybe I could, would be more important. I was like so close to not going. I was like 99% not going to nah. go. And then this 0.1% kicked in. I was like, oh, let me just see what it's about. Then when I went there and I opened the door to the session, I opened the door to the wrong room. And I and the room that I opened the door to was there was like a serious meeting going on with like probably 20 people in there. It was like quiet. And I was like, oh shit, my bad. I walked in the wrong room. And But I saw the guy who was like spearheading the meeting was this guy that I had met years prior. Mm. He's an executive. He's mm -hmm. a manager. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Kirk Harding. Yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah. Kirk, boss. right? Yeah, Kirk. The neighborhood burner boy for people that want... Goody Grace. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Goody Grace. Incredible. Yeah, I, I met Kirk to back up. I met him in 2015 because I was trying to find a new manager and I was mm. taking meetings with managers. And mm. Kirk was one of the guys I met with to you know, potentially manage me. And, um, long story short, it didn't work out, but we stayed in touch, you know? Um, so fast forward years later, that was like 2015. I walked into this room at Sony in 2018, the end at the end of 2018. And it was Kirk. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen him like basically since he came to my apartment years before to meet with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't really seen him. And, but I, we still like knew each other. Obviously we kept in touch a little. Yeah. And I, I opened up the door to the wrong room and it was because I did, I was like, Oh, Kirk, like my bad. Like, but yo, let's, let's link up after this. Like let's that planted that seed to that, link up that, again. That, that, that yeah. By chance yeah. me going in the wrong yeah. room and not even, I wasn't even going to go that day. Wow. Walked in the room, saw Kirk. And then we, so that, we, that's two of those to yeah, me, two of those moments. Because one, you weren't going to go yeah. and B, you had to go to the wrong room. Exactly. Fucking crazy. We connected. We, the following week we like met up for lunch or some shit and we were catching up. It had been years since I saw him. And he was catching me up on, you know, some of the stuff he was working on. And um, he brought up this kid, Che, that he that he knew and that he thought was really dope. But um, that he's young and he doesn't have the, the right producer right now. He's, he, he, he's trying to find the right producer for him. And Kirk was like, you know what? I'd love to see what you guys would make. Like, if you want to give it a shot. I was like, hmm. yo, I'd love to. I, you know, let me see what the kid's about. So Kirk sent me like, like he had done a one record that was out with another artist and I just, I, I, I like loved it. I was like, I get, this is crazy. Cause the mm. kid was like 15 at the time, but I was getting like MF doom, like JID, like real hip hop, like bridging the gap between old classic hip hop, old school with like kind of today. And I was just enamored by it. And I was like, I'd love to take a stab. We had a session. And ever since that first session with the kid literally made his whole album. Yeah. I kind of developed him over the years. Incredible. And, and that's kind of. A mixture of, of developing acts who I think will be goats yeah, in combination with just being a part of other sessions, you know, and, and, and you know, because I'm very versatile. Like I could, 
we can make some some boom bap. We can make some alternative rock. We yeah. can make some some grunge. We can make something psychedelic. Being versatile like, is weird, man. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I manage an artist named Wax. If you know Wax, Wax like the rapper. Yeah, yeah, the rapper Wax. Wax yeah. is like yeah, a yeah, good yeah. homie he's, of mine. Yeah, dude. he's dope. So that's he was on the show so as well because you know he's super versatile. In fact, yeah. that's where his name comes from. If you didn't know it, because wax is a versatile substance. God, I didn't know that was that where that name. came from. So he's a beast. Though. Yeah, he's sick. His, with the, with his, his penmanship is, is like bananas. I think he has a, actually has a song that says "Wax Goes Bananas." Yeah, I think. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. I know that one. So, um, but 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 that actually became it's a blessing and a curse because I feel like in a in a in a time where people are just like. Just, you need to be one thing or the other. Yeah, because because people are inundated with so many things and choices that if you're like, if they scan and they're like, oh, this person's like four things, they'll just scan over it. They're just like, I don't know what it is. Exactly. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. And what I have been trying, what I, what my goal was, yeah. was to have your one thing be four things. Oh. Like that could be your one thing. Well you said, dude. So that's, wow. that's what I'm about. That's what, well said. I think that's what Jared Evan is in a nutshell is like. You know, there are other artists that kind of encompass that. Yeah. Um, you know, like John Bellion is kind of like that a little bit. He's yeah. like this pop producer, like him, but he like yeah. raps. And even though our, we've gotten compared throughout the years, mm-hmm. like we don't sound like each other. But I think conceptually, we we produce, we rap, we sing, we we like we're alternative, we're indie kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I think that 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 could work if that is authentically you, you hmm. know? And, uh, but you're a hundred percent right. Especially in th- these days, man, like you gotta be one thing, Yeah, you know? So just... I, that's also at Interscope what the problem was. Cause I was so broad. Yeah. They could have done anything with me. They could have made me Lenny Kravitz. They could have made me Eminem. They could have made me Justin Timberlake. They could have made me Mac Miller. Like it's like, cause I, I come from all of those genres. I, I pull from a lot of these worlds. Like, um, and and essentially that's why I like really love producing. Yeah. Because you don't it doesn't matter. You you don't need to be anything. Well, well being four things is always embraced and I guess exactly. if you're producing because you your be your music your musicality right. is up here because, too if you're four things. So the, the artist has the most scrutiny on that. Right. Am exactly. I right? The yeah, artist yeah. is the one that needs to be the one thing. Yes. I'm telling a you, producer not so much. And your much. brand has to be right, even right. like your aesthetic. If you think about it's the a, weekend, Lana Del Rey, am I right? These are great examples. I think of like their shit is tightly dialed in to yeah. be one thing, right? Like, dude, if Gatorade was also soda and like frozen food, like it'd be very confusing. The the crazy thing is, is with that one record that we always come back to that right. you did with Interscope right. and that wasn't you. Is like if it doesn't work, it's like have you, ever, have you ever heard this term leaving everything out on the field? Of course, like when you play a game. To me, that's what that is. It's yes. like, right? It's like, if at least I was me right. all the way and it didn't work, well, I left it all on it's the fucking field. It's respectable. You know what I'm right. saying? But if it's not me that's not working, right. I didn't fucking leave it all on the field, bro. 100%. And, yeah. and like I said, like I have no regrets about doing any of that because it, 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 it brought me here. Because you alchemized that shit. I alchemized And that's where it, you are now. And, and, and this I, version of Jared, right. you're very happy with. That's how I feel about myself. I'm, uh, by dude, the way. I'm so happy. Like, and think about if, if Interscope did work, let's say it did work. The whole thing. I wouldn't have all these albums that I'm known for, like the Boom Bap and Blues I did with Static Selector, which features Joey Badass, Action Bronson, like, which was like a critically acclaimed. Like, I don't care if it sold a million copies. That shit was like critically acclaimed when it came out awesome, amongst man. tastemakers and radio people, personalities, and Peter Rosenberg was playing it on Hot Nights. That was just off the strength of how much people liked it. Mm. So. I wouldn't yeah, no trade. major time to no. that, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I wouldn't uh-huh. trade all those albums and the shit that I've done the past seven, eight years for success at, success at Interscope because 
the stuff I've done the past seven, eight years were right. It was authentic to me. It, yeah, like, bro. It's dope. I, you know what I mean? Like, you want to go listen to the Interscope single or you, or you want to yeah. hear like all these albums that I've been putting the work in to make and for build sure. a story. I'd rather take the story. Thank you for coming on and sharing your journey. It sounds yeah, like this, this is, is dope. Yeah, your story is exactly what the fuck the blueprint to the podcast is. So thank you. Sick. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. I'm, I've had a feeling that it would be dope. Where can people find you? Do you want to just sure. shout out your... Yeah, I mean, you know, just my name is Jared Evan, J-A-R-E-D-E-V-A-N. Some people think it's... Like my last name, so it's like Evans. It's not. It's my first and middle name, like Bob Dylan. So Jared Evan. Uh, That's my handle across the board, Twitter, Instagram, just Jared Evan. And you got something, you got something new coming in October-ish. Yeah, in the the fall. But you're in an amazing place right now, is what I'm picking up. So I'm sure sure that that shit's going to be crazy because of where you're at. 100,000%. Yeah. Fully embraces like everything we just spoke about. Yeah, amazing. It's funny because the concept of this album, I I won't give the name, but the concept is actually about the darkness of the music industry. It's a a theme throughout the album. And, um... Also, just like mental health also outside of the music business, but the theme of the album is the darkness of the music industry and but but it's not just that it's not just oh it's a depressing album it's it's the moral like the end goal is like but there's light at the end of the tunnel though like you know what I mean like the end, the point of the album is it's that it's not what you achieve it's who you become exactly it's, that's that's the literally what you just said that's the point of it and um so it's funny. It's actually a good timing that we're talking about this whole thing because that's literally what the album is about. Fire, All bro. right, man. Thank you again. Thank you, and Seth. thank you, uh, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next episode. So. Thank you so much again for tuning in to today's episode. It really means the world to me. If you heard anything relatable that created new awareness for you, please visit our podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or review. This helps build our audience. Please comment, like, and share this episode out with your family, friends, coworkers, or anyone who you feel would benefit from the messages shared in today's episode. I'm really, really grateful for your help in spreading these messages of hope and wisdom. The world is in such great need right now, and your support helps carry the message onward to others who need it. Also, please consider becoming a monthly financial contributor to the podcast. You can do so by visiting connectionismagic.com and clicking on the Patreon link. Patreon is a third-party platform which helps support creators in exchange for exclusive content and offers. You'll be able to get discounted merchandise like comfy hoodies, t-shirts, as well as retreat discounts where we'll have special guest speakers and group activities to connect you with like-minded community members. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, please stay connected.